Well, thank you so much. We're excited about the, uh, the way that God has uh, impressed for the congregation here to be praying for the other members of the congregation throughout the next couple of months as well as for um, the various pastors and um, ministries that are represented. And if this is something that, you know, this is, this is something that we originated for our congregation. It's something the Lord put on my heart this week. And we're not trying to make any other church do this. If you want to do it in your church, do it in your church. I think it's a good thing. But um, anyway, thank you, Father's Church family, for being willing to do this. <clears throat> Just a couple of things before we go into the scriptures today. And uh, we do have, uh, for those of you in-house, there's a teaching sheet up here, and it should be posted for you online. Um, I do want to again declare over all of you the blood of Jesus, that it would be upon your household, upon your family, upon everything that you are, and so that the uh, noisome pestilence and the plague will pass over you. And we rebuke any kind of illness and sickness, and I know that some of you are, you know, because, uh, because everybody seems to be wearing masks now doesn't mean that you stop being human. And some of you are battling against physical scenarios that don't have anything to do with COVID-19. So I extend the hand of agreement with you right now. And I declare over your body, your soul, your spirit, but particularly what's going on in your body, health and strength. May the power of the Lord be present wherever you are right now to heal and to set you free. And I rebuke whatever kind of illness or sickness might be coming against you, whatever kind of uh, restriction that might be manifesting itself in your body. And I know, you know, many of you are used to going to the doctor. Some of you are privileged to have a concierge type of a scenario. But some of you, you, you recognize they're not going to be really happy to see you at the doctor. And you're not going to want to go to those places. So the great physician is with you. And we speak health and life over you now in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right. Today we want to... Um, look at a, a study concerning what the Lord particularly said regarding Kairos moments in the end time. And um, I believe that the Father has carefully led us, not only here at this church, but throughout our Saints Network family, to concentrate on the fact that this year is a year of his wisdom. It's a year of his going forth into the nations in new ways. And um, during the past seminar that we were privileged to host here just a month ago, we talked a lot about wisdom and how that God um, is connecting his will in heaven within on earth and we we know that this was a theme that our heavenly father was addressing for us 
And I, I do want to say that, as we've affirmed many, many times, whatever God has ordained to do this year, he's going to do. It may seem that things are being hindered. It may seem that things are being uh, suspended for a moment in time. But God is timeless. And he is going to do what he said he's going to do in this year. It may just not be in the, in the way that we thought it would be. For instance, um, this day particularly, um, I was supposed to have been speaking on a Sunday morning, which is regardless of the team that was going, I would have been speaking today, right now, in Sao Paulo at a brand new church. People that we were able to meet and people that uh, are hungry for the things of the Lord and um, because of the fact that our airlines are not flying in there <laughs> right now, the, the meetings were canceled. And we were privileged to be able to be in contact with uh, the representative from that church, uh, Pastor Philippe, who is the son-in-law of the, the senior pastor there. And he's a wonderful man. He and his wife are, are precious people. And um, they recognize that this is a worldwide type of an assignment, and they recognize that for whatever reason, we weren't going to be able to be there with them. But we speak blessing into Brazil. We speak blessing into that precious church and into all the other churches. Pastor Luciano's church was going to be providing the, the ministry team largely that was going to be going in there. And we speak that the blessing that God had ordained for that church and for all of the churches in Brazil, that that blessing's being released right now. God is not constrained. He's not hindered. And um, I'm, I'm very grateful that what God wants to do is, is being done in all of South America. So we speak blessing. And I'm not, I, of course, I'm disappointed to, in an earthly way because we were really excited about being able to be with that wonderful family that God is building there in Brazil. But um, that familial relationship has not been stopped. It's not been hindered. God has no, he has no restriction in the way his hand can move among the nations. And so we speak blessing into those churches, and we speak blessing into those wonderful folks that have come alongside the saints and I know that um, whatever God intended to give during this weekend particularly, he's doing. And so we speak that on behalf of the throne of God over that church and over that city, the largest city in South America, and over that wonderful nation of Brazil and circumspectly those nations that are being touched even now with the message of the saints. And this is what God's doing, and that's what he's going to do. So I feel that whatever has been um, initiated by this worldwide restriction, there is going to be a sevenfold release of the Spirit of God, and that there's not going to be, first of all, any, any stopping of what God ordained, but beyond what we could ask or think, beyond what we thought, 
there's going to be a multitude of other blessings that God is releasing. So I just invite our saints to be uh, in agreement that this, this nation of Brazil is going to be overwhelmed by the touch of the Spirit of the Lord, specifically on this weekend. And we, we, we're in agreement regarding that. Um, I, I'm so thankful for it. So, God has his ways. He has his times. And um, I'm, I'm amazed at how often Jesus spoke about the times and the seasons, particularly regarding the time of the end. And I, I believe that the Lord wants us to visit some of these passages and absorb the deeper things of his spirit uh, that God has reserved for this hour for us to enjoy. And so we're going to begin by looking at Acts chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. This is Jesus as he is um, getting ready for the time of ascending to the throne. When they were therefore come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the Kronos or the Kairos, which the Father has put in his own power. And he then told them to go and to wait in Jerusalem and to, um, to tarry, to look uh, all around them in their point of abiding. That's, that's, that's the word that is used. And to welcome through their their supplication and their prosukamai, what God was wanting to do. And I, I believe that the Lord putting those things together, you know, you think about what would the last words of the Lord be? You know, if you, if you want to say something before you are leaving and before the Father's going to pour out this gift at the birth of the church, you know, the Lord, what would he say? And here is what he said. He said, the Father is operating on behalf of Kronos, his, his, his overarching timetable, and those Kairos moments that, that he releases in alignment with that progression of his timetable. And what you need to do is to continue to seek the Father, which you're going, you're being, you've been redeemed to. You need to seek the Father and you need to move on behalf of agreement with what he said. And you need to be in supplication prayer. And you need to be in partnership with that in that supplication. And you need to be sensitive to what he's saying to you. And I think that because of that, Peter was then able to respond accordingly. Peter of all people. Uh, he, he was able to respond accordingly when they said, what meaneth this? And he said, this is that. But that wasn't just a momentary um, inspiration of the Spirit, even though God was directing him to speak at that moment. They had been doing these things during that time in the upper room. Not everybody was in favor of that. There were almost 500 people there before Jesus ascended. And the Bible says even when he was ascending, that some doubted. Look, it is like what Mark was teaching about earlier. You know, just because there's a sign there doesn't mean everybody's going to be on board with it. 
It, the sign can be as plain as day, and there'll be some people that either don't want to receive it or uh, are, are reticent to, to enter in, and they're immediately going to say, no, this is not what we want. So we know there were 120 there when the, when the outpouring occurred, but where were the other 380? Where were they? That's not a really good perception. You know, that's not a good batting average. And what it shows is that, you know, you think about it. If you see Jesus ascending into the clouds and you're watching him and then angels come and say, why do you stand here gazing at the clouds? Go and do what he said. Why is it that less than 25% actually stuck it out? Just in a scope of a few weeks, that's, that's amazing to me. You see Jesus, the risen Lord, rise into the heavens to where you can't see him anymore. And in, with the natural eye, you have angels there saying, okay, show's over, stop looking, go. And in the scope of a couple of weeks, 75% or more of your people aren't there. That shows you that what Jesus was saying is really true. You've got to submit yourself as a supplication partner with God. And you've got to know that God is going to work things according to his overall timetable. But there are going to be kairos moments where he says, I'm doing this now. I'm doing this now. Get with it. Partner with it. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of voices out there today, um, but the main voice that we ought to be looking for is the voice of God through our intercession as we wait on Him. And so, the Lord, in His parting words before He ascended into heaven, says this, and again, I reiterate, just in case some of you were a little bit late getting your coffee, the... the, the uh, the, and that I know, I know what it's like to watch things at home. <laughs> the Father, whom you've been redeemed to, has an overall timetable and specific moments, kairos moments that are being revealed. You need to be seeking God as an intercessory partner. Now, I know I grew up in, in a Pentecostal church, and um, I know... What most people, the only thing they get out of what Jesus said was that word tarry. And somehow the only thing they associate that with is you just got to keep waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting until you can finally speak in tongues. And that's the only thing they get from tarrying. But this whole passage is about, okay, I'm leaving. You've got to know the Father. You've got to know He has a timetable. You've got to know He's going to be doing things on specific moments. You've got to be partnering with Him in intercession. And you've got to tarry. You've got to stand in your point of abiding and be circumspect of what's going on around you. And at a certain point, God's going to do what He says, but you're going to be ready for it. That's the thing that is not talked about in most Pentecostal churches. And how in the world we could pluck that one word, which is basically not only missing the point, tarrying, but it's, it's also giving people an excuse to just keep stumbling along and not moving in the gifts of the, of the Spirit. 
You know, I remember growing up, and we knew that God wanted people to be filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. We still didn't p go further into how often you're supposed to be speaking in tongues or what diversities of tongues were. That was still, that was just off the chart, even though it's in the Scripture, and it still is in many churches, which is one of the things God's wanting to do. But, you know, we, we were just ingrained that because some folks didn't understand what speaking in tongues was, and we'd pray with, for people, and we'd have people prayed for over and over again, and they thought that God really wanted them tarrying. And so that, that extended. Well, maybe I'm not good enough, or maybe I've got to get things out of my life. We didn't do that with any other thing with God, you know? Well, you know what? I can't be born again because i got a lot of sin in my life. The greatest gift of all, we would never say, well, you know, I'm just not right enough with God to be born again. That makes no sense because you come to the Lord and you say, you've offered this out of your love and of your mercy and your grace. I want it. And you surrender all of those failings for his strength. But when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we would have this tarrying mentality and we would say, oh, you know, I've just got to tarry. Some people tarried for years. For years. They're still tarrying. And they never received the free gift, the birthday gift that God gave to his church. So the whole issue of tarrying and the, is, is involved with you taking a stand where you are. That's what it means. You being in partnership intercession, which is what supplication is. You be sensitive to what God is revealing because you have a Father in heaven who has an overall timetable and specific moments of kairos, kairos timing, kairos timing. That's what Jesus' last words were. And that's what the angel said, okay, show's over, stop standing and gazing. You go to Jerusalem and do what you're supposed to do. That's what our mission, mission is. And God is still moving according to his overall timetable. And there are kairos moments, kairos moments that are unique. We're in the middle of a confluence. Thank you, Father. Uh, we're in the middle of a confluence of his overall timetable and kairos moments. And we need to be more interested in interceding every day. I think that's one of the reasons why God has secluded us. You know, the, the disciples and the 120, they were supposed to be secluded together. I don't know if they were six feet apart or where they were masked or anything, but there they were. And God has given you this moment before a great breakthrough to be secluded unto him. And I wonder sometimes, and I, I believe the saints are doing what they're supposed to do, but I'm sure that there are angels all around that are looking and saying, okay, no gazing, do it. You tarry in a biblical way. Don't be in fear. Don't be in apprehension. Listen to the Lord. And one of the things that when, when the timing of God is, is um, being revealed, we've got to be careful to remember what he has already said and to don't go beyond what he's saying. And um, did you ever, did you ever have uh, somebody that's trying to tell you something, and there's somebody else standing there, and they're 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 trying to interject all the time, and 
saying things. It's, it's irritating, isn't it? Especially if you're the one that's trying to tell something. And God's trying to tell you stuff right now, and some of you, instead of waiting on the Lord, you're wanting to hear everybody else's opinions. You know, oh, what's this brother think? Oh, what's this group think? You know, you've, you've got to be very careful in this hour because, first of all, a lot of the voices that are out there are just plain wrong. So don't be so, use that hunger to hear and sow it into God. And then there are voices out there that have analyzed this situation. They have determined what your fear is and they're itching ears and you're running to find somebody who will scratch that itch of your insecurity or your soulishness. And there are ministries, not all ministries, but there are some ministries that are trying to monopolize, trying to take advantage of that. And I, I read about, you can read this for yourself if it's real time, there's a particular ministry that's launched out of Florida that was selling a, um, a cure for the coronavirus. And the governor of the state, who's just opened up all the beaches, has prohibited that ministry from doing that because it's charlatanism. This same ministry, about a year ago, had everybody buying survival kits because the Yellowstone volcano was going to blow. Maybe they had seen that movie 2012 and heard Woody Harrelson there. And, but people would, I had people telling me, should we buy a survival kit? And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? And then I recognized, oh, you heard it from this guy. Be careful. You know, like, like my dad used to say, oh, they seen you coming. Don't be so obvious it, that you just suck up to any kind of foolishness. And, you know, I, I'll never forget, and I've told this story before. One time we were, uh, we were privileged early on in the things that God was doing. We had a meeting that was arranged by our dear friend Bill Lackey to meet with Bishop Bill Hammond. And we weren't seeking for prophetic words. We knew what God had wanted, but we felt that God had aligned us in some ways for that season with that wonderful ministry of Christian International. And so we went over. Bishop Hammond was teaching at a place or ministering at a place in North Dallas. So Paul and I went, and we were going to meet with him. And uh, it was just for me more of, of a respect for this man and what he had gone through and and really to thank him for the way their ministry was helping us to take that step from just being, you know, pew sitters to people who could understand more of the prophetic. And so we went there, and I've told this story before. Paul and I went to meet Bishop Hammond during the time he was eating his lunch, and he had some red beans and rice, and you could tell he was a, he was a country boy, and he was enjoying that red beans and rice. And we were sitting there, and in between bites, he was prophesying to us, and he basically told us what was going to be happening over the next 10 years. On the other side of the room, there were some really well-known Christian teachers that were also there for the conference, and they were meeting with a publisher. And I was listening to Bishop Hammond, but in between the times when he was eating his red beans and rice, when he was chewing too much that he couldn't speak through it, I could hear them, and they were projecting, this publisher was projecting what what the church was going to be wanting to read over the next year. And they had done their studies to see what books were going to sell. So they were telling these people, okay, we need you to write about this. We need you to write about this. Now, that what they didn't say was whether you have any revelation about it or not. You write about this because these things are going to sell. And I could tell who these people were, but I'm not going to do it. 
They're well known. And I bless them in it. I, I bless them in it. But the publisher is in the business of making money. These teachers are in the business of keeping the wheels of their financial structure floating. And there are ministries right now that are trying to figure out in these uncertain days, what can we put out there that people are going to want? It's better for you to recognize that, number one, be, be wise. I'm not saying disprove of every ministry, but if you're going out searching for stuff, you're going to find it, and it probably is not going to be of God. Well, it may be God may be around it, but it's not going to be what he's really wanting to say to you. How's that? So it's best to follow the, the words of Jesus and to recognize in his parting discussion before he ascended into heaven what the church should be. Those are still his words in Acts 1. So, at this time, there are things that God is saying. He's not going to be releasing Cairo's words every day. How many do you need? You know? How many do you really need? If you have an understanding of what God has already said, if you have an understanding of what he's prophesied to you, and, and if you are seeking him, he's going to be bringing you clarity. He's going to be showing you things in his word. But you're not going to get a game-breaking word every day. I mean, that's not what God does. Where is the waiting? Where is the patience? Where is the allowing a meditation to happen? So if God spoke to you on Tuesday and by Friday you're, you've got a hankering for another big word, don't just scour the internet to hear what every X factor is saying. You just keep seeking and waiting on the Lord because he's not going to be doing anything different than the way he normally does things. And I'm going to tell you how God normally does things. He's more interested in the journey with you and developing relationship with you than he is anything else. And he loves to just dwell with you. Yeah, he's giving you a sense of prophetic purpose. Yes, he's going to be revealing insights, but he, that's not the main thing he's up to. He just wants people to be confident. You know, you can see people in society right now that are just scared, a lot of them. And what they want is continued, continued stir in the pot, like Mark was saying earlier. Every day, let's look at the head count. Let's look at, uh, let's look at this. Let's look at that. Let's, what's the nearest, latest scandal? And God is just saying, trust in me. Trust in me and listen to me. Now, we've got to be able to interpret the Kairos moments. Let's look at Matthew 16, verses 1 through 4. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came. And you get both of them together, and you know that's kind of an odd thing. It's kind of like dogs and cats in the same army. That ain't happening. These two groups could not stand each other. They were diametrically opposed to each other in some very strong ways. And I won't go through that right now. But they both came together here, which is kind of a weird deal. And tempting, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O oh, you hypocrites, 
You can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the kairos. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and there shall be no sign given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. And again, I mean, a little while ago, you can hear this teaching again. Mark was talking about uh, the Lord doing amazing work. And instead of the people beholding that, in the same breath, they were asking for a sign. Well, they already had a sign. It is a wicked and adulterous generation. That means that their motive is not pure, and they're just willing to, to uh, involve the depth of who they are with anything that comes down the pike. What's the sign of Jonas? It's a sign that says, you need to get serious before God. You need to turn. You need to don sackcloth and repent and come before God. That's the sign. It's done that for this. It doesn't have anything to do with the fish. God's not. God did that one time, and um, He's not in the the whale business. But the sign of Jonas was that to this wicked world, we need to be a people who commit ourselves to the restoration of God, and that's what sackcloth is all about. But here's the issue. These people were able to discern other things. Jesus chose the weather. You know, it's going to be this way. Well, tomorrow it's going to be this kind of weather. But when it comes to a Kairos moment, they're ignorant of it. And he was speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And, and so with all of this lesson, what was Jesus saying? You need to really be in a position where you can glean the Kairos moment. And if you're not, it's because you have a wicked mindset or you're just willing to let your, your mind and your pursuits uh, give yourself to anything that's out there. And God is not pleased with either of those things. You should be discerning and gleaning the Kairos moments. So, sleepless in the kingdom. Mark 13, verses 31 through 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour knows no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you know not when the kairos is. Now, Jesus just said we should be sensitive to the kairos. So he was not saying here, well, you can't know the Kairos. What he was saying here is, you need to know the Kairos. And so in order to find what the Kairos is, you've got to do two things. Well, three things. You've got to know that this comes from the Father. Secondly, you've got to watch and you've got to prosuke. Now, we've studied about prosuke and how it is linked with DMI throughout the Scripture. And it really is... Grace and supplication. That's the New Testament version of it. We've studied this very in great detail. We went back to what God was speaking to Solomon about at the dedication of the temple. And Solomon, the one of wisdom, God spent that most of the time at that discussion talking about being a supplication partner and hearing 
judgment words, hearing words that were practical from the kingdom. So that's what we need to do. And we need to watch. This word doesn't mean to be just um, a bishop-like where you're looking around. That's another concept that's with the scripture. This just means sleepless. Agripno, that means sleepless. And he used the same, the same thing in Luke 21 where he said, Heaven and earth, earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass. Take heed to yourself, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, so that that day will come upon you unaware. He's saying the same thing that he just said with a wicked and adulterous generation. For as a snare shall it come to all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, a grip nail. You therefore and pray. Here he uses deomai. In Mark, he uses prosukomai. But again, we've studied how they are regularly together in the New Testament. That you may be accounted worthy. And that kataxio, remember when we studied about axios and how that means everybody bearing their own measure of the weightiness of the Lord. And it's where we get our word axle. It's where we get those words, the axis, where you are holding fast to, to the burden or the weightiness of what God has asked you to do. And if you're doing that, you escape these things that come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. You know, something that's been happening for months now is so many times throughout the night, increasingly so. Now, we We've done watch night services. We've prayed in the night. We've, we've encouraged people when, they, when they're awakened to pray. Um, but increasingly over the past couple of months, there have been in my life and a number of other saints this calling to be up in the night praying. You, Wednesday night, uh, going into Thursday morning, from 1.30 to 4.30, I was up and I was praying and I was feeling the weightiness of what's going on in the world, and I could feel the opposition of the enemy, and the Lord was with me. I was partnering with him. And part of what goes on in a kairos, in a heavy kairos moment, is you taking responsibility for what God has given you to do, and you being in that supplication partnership, and you being willing to to be uh, available throughout the night. You don't have to set your clock to get up. My goodness. Um, there, there's something that's happening throughout the night now that is very important for this season. But we need to see that Jesus used this twice. Twice. Watch. That is a sleeplessness. And you being aware of what God's doing. Some people have giftings in this way. And, you know, you got to be careful when people in your family or people in your social environment, first of all, if you're telling them what's going on in the spirit realm, that's a red flag right there. But, you know, Pretty soon you're going to have people giving you melatonin elixirs and, you know, putting lights in your room that, that are supposed to in, 
engender a sleeping environment or, you know, you've got to have this kind of vapor going so that you can sleep. And, and yet you just get frustrated because you say, oh, it's not helping me. Well, maybe God's calling you to pray. Why would Jesus say this if he didn't mean it? Watch and be a supplication partner. Now, I enjoy resting and sleeping as well as anybody. You know, that night that I got like two hours sleep, um, th the rest of the day, you know, I, I did everything I was doing. I came here, I, I, got, I walked for several hours, I worked in the yard, I studied, I prayed. And, you know, it's not like you're going to peter over. Yeah, I had a copious amount of coffee that day too, but um, I know that God is saying to the church in this Kairos moment, that you need to be praying. And, and when he says pray, DMI always, always is, is those kairos moments. Think about that. Watch, be willing to pray through the night. And deomai, supplication, kairos. There it is. It's linked together. So if you want to know what God's doing in this particular moment, what are the words of Jesus telling you? What are the factors that are there? It's very clear if you want to see it. And, you know, here's another thing. Let's look uh, on page two there. Meet in the Kairos. I'm going to meet in the Kairos. Well, this is M-E-A-T. Matthew 24, verses 36 through 46. But of that day and hour knows no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were. Here, you know, the two Old Testament dudes that Jesus talked about Jonah and Noah for the times of the end. Of course, we know what Noah was doing. He was getting ready. In a wicked world, he and his family were getting ready. And they were preserved. So that's the sign of Noah. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so also shall be the coming of the Son of Man. Two will be in the field, and one will be taken, the other left. Two women grinding at the mill, the one taken, and the other left. Watch, therefore, there's our buddy again, for you know not what hour your Lord comes. Know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be you also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his house, to give them meat in Kairos? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Now, look at that. Meat there is trophy. And that is a... Um, a word that means a specific kind of meat. Um, in, in the next passage, we're going to see a nourishing that that comes from trope. Now, what I want to let me go ahead and read that. This is this whole second page is a is a is a whole group together that says the same thing, but we just need to see it all. Revelation 12 verses 12 through 14. 
Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has but a short kairos, oligos, time, kairos. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished. That's trepho from trope. For a kairos and kairoses and half a kairos from the face of the serpent. So all this time, times, and half a time where you get three and a half years and that's going to be the length of this and let's argue about whether we're here for that part of the tribulation, whether we're here from all. This is not annual years. These are kairos moments. Do you see that? Kairos means what it is. It's not an annual. It's, it's, a, it's moments in time. And the, the church is going to be nourished. That trefo that comes from trope, and that's the meat Jesus equates with kairos. So what does that mean? Hebrews chapter 5 there speaks about this, verse 12. When the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again what be the first principles of the oracle of God. And you are those who act as if you need meat and not milk and not strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But strong meat, stereos trophe, belongs to them that are of a full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Do you see this? Do you see this? The Kairos moment is going to be discerned by those who are moving in the meat of God, the trophy. Now, I don't go hunting, but in Pennsylvania where I grew up, just about everybody was going out hunting for one thing or another, even to West Virginia or into Ohio or or even into the center part of, of Pennsylvania. I mean, my backyard, um, every day you could get up and you could look out. Sometimes there would be a small uh, herd of deer walking across our backyard or a, a flock of turkeys. There were foxes and their families that were out there. We had all kinds of critters. So for me growing up, my friends and their daddies and grandpas were out hunting almost every weekend. There was always something in season. And one of the things they loved to do was to go up in the mountains and get themselves what they would call a trophy buck, which meant that it was something that was rare, something that was really, uh, whether it had a certain number of points or a certain weight. They were even out hunting bears. There was such a thing as trophy bears. And you could get one that was over certain Wait, in Pennsylvania has, I think of right now, they, they were thinking that there's almost 6,000 black bears throughout Pennsylvania. So these guys were out looking for stuff, but when you talked about a trophy, that meant that you had really done something. And here Jesus uses this word that we obviously, any okay, let's argue about it. How does trophy become trophy? How does it assert with meat? Well, just use your head a little bit. You don't need a chapter and verse for some linguistic book to see, hey, yeah, maybe he's talking about that. So how does this work? You can either be a baby who has to have people coddling you and giving you bottles and 
you know, that's what most of the church wants. They want people to do their own work, all the work for them. But Jesus says, you should be knowing what's going on in the oracle. You should be those that are, are functioning in the word of righteousness. You should be dealing with strong meat, trophy, with a circumstance, a stereos. When stereo means that it just covers the room. It's not just hi-fi, it's stereo. It's not just projected in one way. It's all over the room. I remember when uh, FM stations used to begin broadcasting, and they would sometimes broadcast in stereo. And one of the things they first did was they'd say, okay, we have two FM stations. Tune one of your radios on this side of the room to this station and another one on the other side of the room to this station. We're going to play one end of this stereo out of this station and the other end of the same song out of this station. And so while everybody was putting it so that you had a circle surround, that was early days of circle surround in stereo. And I, I only had one radio, so I'd switch back and forth from this station to the, that station. We were so poor, we only had one radio. And half the time, it didn't work. And I had to make sure when I was doing that that my dad wasn't home, because if he heard me listen to that stuff, he'd have yelled at me. Ronnie, turn that junk off. So anyway, but it was interesting. So when Jesus speaks about us discerning the Kairos moment, he says, you need to be somebody that's willing to go after the strong meat. You need, to, you need to follow God into the high places. And you need to be hearing from Him. And you need to go into deeper things. You need to go into deeper things. Now, why, why do some people want to remain babies? Well, number one, maybe they're babies. Maybe they're lazy. Maybe they don't want to take responsibility. You start talking about deeper things, they say, it's too hard, it's too much work. Maybe they, uh, maybe they like the, the attention. Maybe during a time of fear, instead of seeking the agape of God, they want somebody to come and, of course, I don't know how they do that now with six feet distance, but, you know, hold them close and burp them a little bit and give them some milk. You know, we need in this hour, and I want you to hear me, we need to press into the deeper things of the Lord in this Kairos moment. That's the strong meat we must have because that's the solution the world is needing. That's, that's the solution. And you can't expect the baby crowd to appreciate that. Now, they are all wanting it now, you know. You can't go to the doctor for any elective surgery. You can't go to the I was speaking to a friend of mine who's my urologist, and he was telling me about how, you know, they're not even able to do just really um, routine things right now. The only thing they're acting on is either virtual appointments or urgencies, emergent care. And so, you know, you've got, you've got those things going on, but what are they wanting? Everybody. Now, money's driving this. Whoever's going to be the first that can crack the code of this virus and get, a, get testing that's quick and effective, or get some kind of a vaccine, or understand a medicinal treatment that will knock this thing out. Man, all of the universities are going after that right now. I read the Pittsburgh papers every day, and the, the University of Pittsburgh, where the, the polio virus was, was destroyed through Jonas Salk. They are going after this, and I was reading about two or three things that they've come up with that are 
in the testing stage right now. One of them is just a simple vaccine that you put on your finger, and it's got a lot of sugar points that pierce the, the, the dermis, that pierce the outer skin. And they said for this virus, it's not something that you want necessarily to get into your bloodstream. You want to penetrate it from the skin level. And so they, they're, they're, you put this on with kind of a Band-Aid, and you wear it for a couple of days, and it penetrates the skin. And after that time, this virus is supposed to not have any effect on you. Very simple thing. They're rushing that. And, and this is coming through. I mean, these people, people from all over the world come to that medical, uh, that Salk Center. And so, but there are a lot of these things out there. And, you know, why I'm talking about this is in the spirit realm, you need to have people that are willing to go after the strong meat to get solutions. Because at this point, safe spaces and everybody being babied and not being triggered and all of that nonsense is not bringing a solution for what the church is needing and what the world is needing, is it? It's people that are going after the Father to get a word from Him in this Kairos moment that is strong meat. Babying people is not going to bring a solution. Strong meat in the Father's timing will. And that's another thing. See, Mark, I was listening when you were teaching today. I was the only one in here for a good part of it. But, you know, lots of people were listening. But, you know, this is what God wants. Now, I'm just going to take it a step further, and we're still okay. I'm, we're going to be done by 1215. Where are you going to go? You, you don't even have to beat the, the, the Baptist to Luby's. It's not open. So you're there. Just, just enjoy it. What we really need as a church is for there to be those that go after the deeper things of the Lord who are not crazy who are not prone to nutty things. That's what destroyed the latter rain movement. You had God doing miracles and the inception of the healing revivals, and then people just started creating things so they could attract a crowd. And I know that, you know, I used to be one of those pastors that was more protective of the people and we didn't want any extravagance. I know that a lot of pastors are that way now, and I know why. Because anybody doing anything beyond the pale was probably not scriptural or was probably kind of nutty, just to say it the way it is. And so when we started going after the deeper things of the Lord and getting things from the scripture that are scriptural, we were called into counsel to explain ourselves. And even when we explained ourselves biblically, that mindset of we don't want anything extreme, you know, I think it's new age, I think it's, uh, it's cult-like. And uh, I'll never forget one time there was a guy here that was sent to investigate us. And I was up here uh, and I came up as part of the transitional moment and I began to sing in the spirit. And his report was that I was chanting in demonic tongues. And I thought, what? What about the scripture that says sing in the spirit and with understanding? What is that? Oh, that's, that's wrong. That's wicked. And I'm not going, I'm not wounded by that. What I'm saying is 
We face that now in the church, and it's time for God's people to biblically, scripturally go after the deeper things of God. And one of the things the church must have is, you know, we're, we're basically set up to grow in numbers, to keep having babies, to keep everybody happy, to have this program and that program and this program. The problem with that is that's a good thing, but if you don't have somebody taking you into deeper things in the Spirit, and I don't mean just memorizing the Word, I mean knowing the God of the Word. If you don't have the deeper things, you're not going to have an answer for the things that are coming into this world. You're not. People are going to seek for the man of Elohim, and you better know the heart of God, and you better be willing to offer supplication, put on sackcloth, fast and pray, be willing to stay up in the night praying as the Spirit guides you. You better be willing to gain that kind of thing because that kind of trophy meat is what's going to nourish the church during this time, times, and half a time. Amen? Oh, the church is not going to be there. Well, then what is it then that, that is being said here? The dragon persecuted the woman who brought forth a man-child. And, and, and what is this? And you know what the word for wilderness is often used to describe? Loneliness. You look, look it up, I guarantee you, look it up. Look it up in all the fancy lexicons. It doesn't just mean a barren place. It is regularly used in the Koine to speak about loneliness. It, you think God's trying to teach you about loneliness right now? Yeah, he is. There's some people that are highly people persons, and it's killing. No, I don't want to say it's killing them. It is just messing them up that they aren't getting their daily their daily contact. God is trying to bring you to that place where you are before him. He's trying every way he can to awaken the church and to awaken his saints to go into the deeper things of his spirit to gain a word in this Kairos moment. And I pray that at some point soon, the apostolic, one of the apostolic missions that God has given, not just for the foreign countries, not just for the hundreds of churches in Brazil and South America that are wanting this message, but that somehow across the great United States of America and Canada and Mexico, some of the established Pentecostal churches who ought to know better will say, we've got to have a thus says the Lord. We've got to ingratiate into our church people that will get on their face and pray, and when they do, not have all the tithe payers get to the pastor and say, you've got to stop that. We don't look respectable. Put them in another room where we can't see or hear them. God forbid that kind of foolishness anymore. It's time for the church to wake up and to recognize that there is a place in these Kairos moments to go after the deeper things, the meat of the Lord. And you know, I was talking recently after we were just been writing about the things in the heavens that are in the scripture. And I know that that's unsettling for some folks. Maybe you ought to scale it back. Well, I understand that because there are people that are watching us now. Some of you are watching us. You never heard us before. I'm not trying to say anything too weird. I'm saying things from the scripture. But, you know, we've got to get to the point where we know Who's laboring among us? And there's one thing that I have given my life to from the time I was a little boy growing up in the church. We're not going to be given to weird things for weirdness sake. We're not just trying to do wacky things so that the wacky group can come. 
We need to know, thus says the Lord. And that's based on the study of the word and seeking the depth of his heart. But, you know, some churches are going to have to say, we've got to have that. Because just playing church and keeping everybody happy is not bringing the solution that people need in this hour. And if, if what's going to nourish the church during hard times is trophy meat, you better have some of that. You better be more concerned about having trophy meat than you are having enough Charmin or other toilet paper. God is telling you, and you better hear this, the church needs to grow up and there needs to be a people who will say, yeah, this is what's happening. Well, you know, when you look at the tabernacle and David and Samuel were appointing people who would minister there, they were all seers. Asaph, Heman, and Jeduthun, specifically seers. Where are the seers in the church today? Where are they? They've been booted out, or maybe because they've been booted out, they're running with people that are just kind of three sheets to the wind. We've got to bring the deep things of the meat of God back into the church. And I don't mean by that, man, that guy can really preach. He preached for 30 minutes and everybody was crying. The altars were full. Well, what happened after the altars were full? Any solutions in the spirit realm? If you talk about what Mark was mentioning, it's, that's five times I've mentioned you today, Mark. You ought to come more often. I'm just playing. But, you know, when you, when you talk about things in the Word, instead of people scratching and spitting and trying to deny it, maybe say, well, why does it say that in the Word? What is really said here? What is Jesus saying? Instead of just blowing it off and going to one of your stem winders that you've underlined that makes you feel warm and cozy. There's going to be coming a time where you're not going to be, what's, what's going to happen during the next time Right now we have internet brownouts. What's going to happen the next time when the enemy's more involved in this and you're not going to be able to connect with your buddies and your friends? What are you going to do then? Those days are coming. <laughs> it's happening in parts of the world right now. You look at it. Where is the technology being formed or how has it been being formed in China? Those people, don't, they're not able to get on a search engine without Big Brother looking at it. And then having, if you look at the wrong thing, there's a knock on your door and you disappear. What's going to happen with the good old U.S. of A. when a lot of that technology, whether it's Huawei or wherever it is, is going to restrict the churches? God is telling his people to wake up. If what is happening on this second page where Jesus is talking about the end times and we see that there is kairos, 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 and you're told things that you have to do. Are you doing those things? Are you gaining the deeper, strong meat of the kingdom? Are you spending time as supplication partners with God? Are you willing to pray through the night as God directs? Are you willing to call unto Him to gain deeper insights in the Scripture? God is making a place for this, and I think one of the things the saints need to be doing during this time is to seek after God, not dwell in fear. Rejoice at what God has said. Be that supplication intercessor that is hearing from God, recognizing the Kairos moment, 
and begin to declare them. We need to be speaking a hunger into the church. We need to be speaking that for Pentecostal churches, they need to be less concerned with what kind of cool music and gatherings of, of people where you can find dates. You, you need to be more concerned with whether those people are hearing from God. One of the things that I appreciated, I, 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 in some ways I, I don't like it, but I appreciated many years ago when uh, Don Potter and Rick Joyner came together and said, um, you know what, we're going to make an adjustment now in our ministry because we've determined that a large percentage of the people who are coming to our conferences are only coming for the music. They're only coming, this isn't me saying, this is what they said. They're only coming to be entertained in that way. They're like groupies of the music, and they're really not interested in the message we're bringing forth. And so they changed the way they moved. They, they changed the way they acted. I wish they'd done something different because we, we still play those music when Don and Leonard and Susie and, and all the others were together. I mean, I understand what they were saying, but they recognized a dearth of the spirituality of the people that were coming. And we have that going on all over the place. If you just have a slick singer and a killer band and they're putting together some, some great songs and, you know, you get a bunch of people coming together and, you know, it's the fun, cool thing to be, you know, well, that's fine. It doesn't matter what they're teaching. It doesn't matter whether they're going after anything deep. In fact, a lot of the things they're teaching are, some of it is not biblical. And, you know, God's got to save us from that mentality. It is not going. I don't see anywhere where Jesus said, and they were nourished by the slick songs. Does it? You know, ever since we started to seek after the things of the saints, we've seen different waves of popularity hit the church. And I, I was talking again earlier uh, in a, just a private conversation about how we saw this ministry rise and all of its music and then it went away and then this one rose and that and groups would just go there and then they'd come over here and they'd bounce around like a ping pong ball. But yet the deep things of the Lord cry out for people to come and know. That's the solution. And in the medical community today, Elective surgeries, cosmetic surgeries, even routine things are put aside and everybody's looking for an answer. There is a wake-up call for the church for us to know our Father, to know the Kairos moments and the deeper things of the Spirit. And I, I'm telling you this, you trust the people that you're getting these deeper things from to make sure they're basing it on Scripture, not what this guy over here says or this guy over here says. We saw a, a revival group that was based in the panhandle, or not the panhandle floor, but over in that area. And they were coming up with some of the wackiest things. You know, God has seven thrones. He, he has a bathroom that has a throne in it. And, you know, people, well, well, where'd you get that? Well, this prophet over here told me. Well, where is it in the scripture? That, that, only, that sounds nonsensical, and it is. And it's not scriptural. It's amazing. God... God is giving to his people those that are functional in the oracle. And if when you're teaching something from the scripture and it's deep meat, God 
help you if you say, oh, you better back that off. You know, this person over here may not understand. You know, they may scare them a little bit. It's not. Is it scriptural? Is it scriptural? Because that's why Jesus says in two of these passages we looked at, my words will never pass away. What did the enemy try to do over this past year particularly? Trying to get people to begin to disprove the word and to reject it and to deconstruct it and to cast it out or to misinterpret it. God says the key to this whole thing is partnership with him, but it's based in the word. Well, I better get to page three here. What time is it anyway? Okay. We still have five min minutes to beat the Baptist to Luby's. Okay. Page three. Wheat and tares, Matthew 13, verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in the field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. When the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. The servants of the household came and said unto him, Sir, did you sow good seed in your field? From whence comes these tares? And he said, An enemy has done this. The servants said, Wilt you then that we go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up the wheat with them. Let, us, let them grow both together until the harvest. And in the kairos of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you first the tares, bind them in bundles to burn them, and gather the wheat into my barn. There's a lot of things you can say about this. But the most important one I'm going to tell you is this. We need to focus on the good seed and being what God wants in this Kairos moment. There's a lot of other stuff growing around you. Don't become that. Be what God wants. The angels are the reapers, Jesus said in another passage. They're going to they're gonna eliminate a lot of this falderall, and they're going to bring about those that are going after the good word. So you just be the good word, okay? Drawing near and at hand, Luke 21, 8. Take heed that you don't be deceived, for many will come in my name saying, I am Christ. The kairos draws near. Do not go, therefore, after them. Whew. All right. That's, that's, a good, that's a good word. So I could go off on it, but I'm not. Revelation 22, 9, verses 10, 9 and 10. Then said he unto me, this is to John, See that thou dost, that you do not proscuneo before me, for I am your fellow servant of your brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Proscuneo only before God. And he said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of, the, prophecy of this book, for the kairos is at hand. Somehow, and I'm close, closing with this, uh, when Jesus spoke in Acts and when this passage in Revelation 22, you see the beginning of the Kairos and in partnership with the Father in Acts 1. And you see here in Revelation 22, John gaining this revelation, the Kairos is at hand. We are functioning in the Kairos moments of the Lord. So I say to you in, in conclusion today, invest yourself wisely. Pray. Partner with God. Spend time before Him. 
Go after the deeper things of the Lord and let Him reveal them in His Word. Wean yourself away from all these other voices that you probably have be become addicted to. At this time, God is most interested in speaking to you. Not through an intermediary, but through you. All I'm trying to do today is to direct you to that. I'm not saying, you don't need to seek after God, just know I've heard from Him. Listen to this. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is what the Word says. You seek Him. You seek God, and you get that Word from Him. And know Him. Don't give place to fear. Go after the strong meat and become a, a vessel where you are declaring that the church will open its heart and its ears to the deeper things of God. That's what needs to be. Now, you can pray that those that are going to be Apostle Paul-like, who are being met by the Spirit, will open themselves and be used of God. Pray for that. But the most glaring need right now is for the church of the Most High God to become that, to wake up, to be those that seek Him and seek after strong meat and who will not that they'll be weaned and broken from this milk existence. We need the church to become what it's supposed to be. That's what Jesus gave his life for. And that's what he is wanting to be his voice in this place now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your saints. And I pray a blessing over your people. And I pray that you will every day and throughout the day and night, use your saints as intercessors before your throne. Lord, help us to be your partners. And I speak blessing over every one of the churches, every one of the saints, that we would be everything you want us to be, and that we would be as that servant who you said, who dealt with the ta talents in a way that was pleasing to you. Well done good and faithful servant. Help us to be those that go after the callous things and those that will be good and faithful to you. Thank you, Father. And again, we declare the blood of Jesus over every household, over every person, and we speak that you are going to use this time for us to grow in the deeper things of your heart and of your word. And we thank you for it, Father. We bless you. We love you. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in. And we want to remind you tomorrow, Facebook, there's going to be a mystery music. And uh, on Wednesday, there's going to be Imani Harris. And on Friday, Dion. One of my favorite teachers from Tampa is going to be speaking on Facebook. And tomorrow, Message of the Week for France. Tuesday, Saints Radio. Wednesday Night Live on Wednesday. And uh, stay, uh, I don't know if Voices is this week or not, but there's a lot of stuff going on. So avail yourself of that. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you. Goodbye.